Hi, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So before we jump in, uh, we started a new series last week, but before we jump into it, we have one uh, quick announcement. So uh, each quarter we put our giving slide uh, so that you guys can keep up to date with uh, what's going on and where our giving's at. So if you want to go ahead and put that up there. So third quarter budget, third quarter giving uh, to the general fund, over budget for the quarter, over budget for the year, and then again in this last quarter, 14 new people. People that uh, were a part of um, giving here at Life Church. And again, we bring it up for a, a multiple different reasons. One, we just want you to know we're open uh, with our money. If you have questions about uh, the way money's spent or, you know, where money's going or what uh, just ask us, and we'd love to meet with you and talk through that, and also to just celebrate. I mean, it's a great celebration um, that we have a church that has bought into the idea that uh, we can, it takes a lot of money to keep a building open seven days a week, open to the public, uh, a lot of repairs, a lot of things to keep up, and that we have a church that's willing to buy into uh, that to be able to do it. So we're thankful for everybody that's uh, participated in a part of giving. All right, so living legacies, talk about why we're doing it, what we hope to be able to gain from it, and what I hope that you can learn uh, as we move through this. So living legacy, here was the idea. Uh, so a long time ago, uh, when I was doing uh, funerals, one of the things that I always thought was interesting is, is that every time that somebody dies, you sit around with the family, and you talk to the family, um, and you try to gather information or gather ideas uh, about the person that passed away, and so that you can come to the funeral, and you can be able to celebrate their life, right? So you sit around, and family members share memories, they share exciting times or moments uh, in their life, and so I don't know if this is weird or not, but for me, I had always thought this. I wonder what people would say if I died, right? Like, I wonder, like, if this was it and somebody's getting ready to get up there, I know what I want them to say. Anybody with me, right? Like, you know what you want people to say at your funeral, but my biggest fear was what I wanted them to say and what they were going to say wasn't going to even be close, right? Like, that, that was my fear. So, uh, I did that. I wrote down what I wanted people to say at my funeral, and without turning it into a long story, went to my children and went to uh, the people closest to me, and I said, is this what you would say? And they're like, um, <laughs> maybe one of those things. You are a hard worker, right? And I'm thinking, ah, you know, because in your mind, you're thinking that you're doing things, right, because this is the way it gets. Like, in your mind, there's perceived reality, right? Like, in your mind, you have made a perceived reality, but then every once in a while, you need a reality check, right? You need to be brought back into focus of, of what's really going on. And so from that day, my decision was, whatever that gap was, so these things that I wanted people to say, the legacy that I wanted to be able to leave and where I was today, I needed to make decisions in my life purposely and intentionally to be able to move the needle, right? Just move the bar. Like, if this is where it is, you can't make up this big chasm overnight. That's where I was. Like, they're, they're, this is big enough. One decision isn't going to change the trajectory, but multiple different decisions are going to be able to. So I went through the line, and I, you know, decided I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I still do this as a practice. Like, I still write down, like, this is where, or what I want people to say, talk to people about where I'm at, and keep evaluating how I'm doing moving 
the needle. So here's the idea for us, right? So for us as a church, here is the good and bad news. Are you ready? Here's the good news. Every decision that you make is leaving a legacy. You know what the bad news is? Some of it's not good. True, right? Like the good news is every decision that we make leaves a little imprint, little thumbprint, right, on the people around us or on ourselves. Like there's a little bit left when we make these decisions. The problem is, is that when we make these decisions, not all of the time is the imprint that you're leaving behind good, right? So the idea of living legacy is to say, okay, so what can we do? Because you're never, we're obviously not going to be perfect. We can't make every decision right. But are there some things that we could change? Are there some things that we could do? Are there some things that, that could be altered in our lives and in my life to be able to keep moving that needle in the right direction, right? So that's what we're doing. So week one, we talked about this idea of the relationship between Paul and Timothy, the idea that, that Paul chose to invest into Timothy, and that the idea of how Timothy received that and what Paul did. So we talked about that. If you didn't uh, get a chance to hear that message, go back and listen to it. It's on our, uh, it's on our app or it's on, online, you know, through our website, on our YouTube page. You could go back and catch up. But here's what I ask you to do when you left last week. So last week I said, think about people who have been impactful in your life, right? And I want you to send them a text this week that says, living legacy, thank you, right? And you could add more to it, um, but what I wanted you to do is to start a process. One of the processes was, is to start thinking about the person you are today is because of the imprint that somebody has in your life. Good and bad, right? Like, some of the good things of your life, some of the bad things of your life is because there has been imprints of other people. And so the idea is to be able to talk, to be able to say thank you, right, to the ones who have made a difference, recognize the ones that have been negative so that you, know, you don't repeat the same thing, because that's the other part of it. You know, we tend to repeat, right? You know what I mean? Like somebody did this to us, we say we'll never do it again, but there's something about our DNA that does it. Right, like we follow some of those same traits. So we got to go against what that looks like to be able to move uh, into the right direction. So it's more of a, an exercise to be contemplative, right? To think through, say thank you, process what is made and who has made a difference uh, in your life. And then the other thing we told you to do is write what you want people to say about you at the end of your life and then go show it to somebody and see how close you are uh, and be able to do and make those decisions. So I did this. So every day I would wake up, I'd ask God, like, listen, who is it, right, I want you to put in my life, who is it that you want me, or who is it that has made a difference in my life? Because there's been hundreds upon hundreds of people that have imprints in my life, right? People that have made significant difference. So I'd wake up every day, and, I, and when I would do my quiet time, and the thing that I'd process is, okay, God, who do you want to put in my heart, right? And who is it that made a difference? Now, here's the funny thing. So when I did this, not only was it this person made a difference, right? I had to think about, right? It was like the person comes to your mind, right? Like, okay, I got this. This is a person who's made a difference, but how did they make a difference, right? Like, it was like, what was those things? And you know what I found out? It wasn't huge life-shattering events. It was small decisions, 
Little things. Little things that people, and this is the other thing, they probably had no idea that it changed my life. Right? It was a little decision to do something that for them might have seemed natural. Because you know what the other thing that I found out when you talk about living legacy? There's a lot of people like, well, I didn't do it to leave a legacy. Well, that's not even the point. The point is you did. Right? You didn't, make, you didn't wake up and say, I'm going to make this decision today, I'm going to make this decision today, and I'm going to make this decision because I want people to notice that I'm living a legacy. Right? That's not the idea. The idea is you made decisions in my life that now have a thumbprint that I'll look back on. Right? A little decision that you just did because you thought you should, you, you, know, you felt compelled to, and I want you to know that little decision made a difference in my life. And what I found out is in talking to other people too, it wasn't earth-shattering events like people that had sent them texts right, and said to them that they were living legacy. It wasn't an earth-shattering thing. It was a small decision, right? Now, so if that's the case, how do we prepare ourselves, right? How do we, if we want to leave a legacy and if we want to live a legacy, how do we make small decisions that are going to make a difference for the future? What does that look like? Because I'm guessing that most of you in this room are in the same place a lot of people are. Okay, this is what I want them to say. This is what they're probably, if you're really honest, like if you're, if you're not honest with yourself, you probably think that gap is like this, right? But most of the time that gap's pretty big. So you know that you gotta, you gotta bring it together. So how do we make small decisions to be able to do that? So if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Luke 5. So in Luke 5, I'm gonna give you four decisions, right? Four things that you can do four decisions that you can make to be able to close the gap, four decisions that you can make to be able to leave a legacy. And we're going to use the model in uh, Luke 5. It's the calling of the disciples. So it's when Jesus was going around early in his ministry and he was going to decide who he was going to use. Because, you know, the other funny thing about legacy, uh, this is a given. But one of the things that Jesus knew is the message of the gospel to be able to go out and change the world, he has to multiply himself into other people. Right, like that, that seems like, oh yeah, duh. Like for sure Jesus knew that. But just to remember, for your legacy to live on means you have to what? Multiply yourself into other people, right? You can't just live a good life with a lot of accolades and a lot of awards and, and a lot of things that, that this is what we all know, at the end of everybody's life, all those things that you build up all burn. But the only thing that will be lasting is people. The people that will be left to be like, you know what? He made a difference. You know what? She made a difference. You know what? That decision, though that is your legacy, right? The people that you leave behind and the people that you multiply yourself into. So let's start with this. Four decisions that you're going to see in Luke 5, starting in verse 1. Here's the, uh, verse 1. One day, uh, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Here's the first decision. The first decision you have to make is how you listen. Now, I know this is going to seem weird, like, duh, I mean, how you listen, but here's what I want you to think about. Big crowd of people, right? A lot of people gathered around. Like, when Jesus would come to speak, tons of people would show up to be able to hear him. 
Out of all of those people, do you think it's interesting that only three people walked away changed? That's all you see in the story. But you're going to see this in the story. You read through it, talk to all these people, preach this great message, challenged all these people, and at the end of the story, it only talked about three people who made a decision to do something different. Right? Now, I'm assuming that if the writer wants to show the impact of Jesus, what he would show is, wow, and all of these people did these things. But what he showed is there were three people that made a decision to do something different. This is, this is where we've got to figure this out. You know, a lot of times you come and you listen to gain knowledge, but not to be changed. Right? And I'm not just saying that in church. I'm saying in general. When you, when you listen in your small group, right? You go to your small group and you listen because you want more knowledge. You want to understand more about the Bible. But are you listening to understand or are you listening to be changed? Are you, are you listening, to, like as an example, when you come to church today, do you have an expectation that God is going to speak to you and you're going to make a decision that could alter the course of history. I mean, think about this, right? Like, do you think, because this is what it says, if you read the Bible, it says it's the living word of God, and I know, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you know, I'm distracting, or you don't always get it right, and people are like, man, you're all over the map, and I couldn't understand you, and all. I said, I, I get that. But do you realize that if you come with open ears, even through the distraction, it says the word of God will speak to you. That's what it says, right? The living word of God. That we should be able to work through the distractions, that we should be able to hear the living word of God. And the living word of God never falls on, right? Never comes to a place where it's just information without transformation. Is that... Are we tracking like, and I'm not just saying that as a, like throw it out there as a line that you can remember, but I want you to understand this. The word of God was given to you so that you could do something with it, right? The, the word of God wasn't given to you just so that you could get more information. The word of God was given to you so that it could transform you and move you into a different place, right? So the question, it's, it's always the same, right? You have uh, when you come to church, this is the most, I'll just be honest with you, one of the most defeating things as a preacher. You spend all week thinking about this, you know, and you get ready and you're super excited because you got like, man, I've been thinking about all this all week. And, and you get ready and you, and you preach the message and then you talk to people that came to church on Wednesday and you like, now I don't remember anything you said. <laughs> I'm super excited about that. <laughs> But you know what I mean, like, and, and this is what I would try to say, and this is what I would want to say to you. It's not about what I said, it's about what God's saying to you. But you don't have to remember the message. But the message, you don't, the message doesn't have to be memorable, but are you here today, and do you believe that God wants to speak to you? Because if you listen the right way, meaning that God is going to speak to me, and then this is what we're supposed to do, whatever he says I'm supposed to do, then what's going to happen is 
transformation. What's going to happen is, is that God is setting up opportunities for you to have influence. God's setting up opportunities for you to be able to leave a legacy. So the idea is you have to learn how to listen and be able to listen in a way that's not going to just be like, man, I really liked what he said. Have you ever done that before? Like you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to a message, you're like, man, I really liked it. Liked it enough to change you or liked it enough to keep you awake? I mean, it's somewhat true, isn't it? I mean, I liked it enough that it was inspiring on Sunday, but not transformational on Monday, right? Like it was good and not boring, but was it transformational? Change the way that you hear, a decision that you need to make. And if you make that decision, that if you listen in the right way, that you're gonna leave a legacy. Now he goes on in verse two and says this, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. A little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here's the second decision that you need to make. Letting Jesus into your boat will completely change your life, right? Letting Jesus into your boat will completely change your life. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Two boats two groups of people, Jesus could walk on water, does he really need a boat? Do you ever think about that? Like, Jesus could have walked on water, why did he ask for a boat? And specifically, why did he ask Simon? Do you ever think about that? Why specifically did Jesus show up on the scene knowing that he could walk on water, knowing that, like, I mean, if you wanted the wow effect, right? Like, I don't need your boats. I'm just going to go walk out here and I'm going to preach while I'm standing. That would have been a wow effect, right? But remember, what was Jesus always trying to do? The wow effect or transform the lives of people? You see, here's what we know. Jesus is always seeking you. Jesus is always coming after you and Jesus always wants in your boat. And he's going to ask and he's going to ask and he's going to ask and he's going to ask. I don't care how far away you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what decisions you've made. He's going to continue to ask to get in your boat, not because he needs the boat, but because he needs you. But he didn't need the boat. He doesn't need to, to, to use the boat. He doesn't need that as a vessel. So here's one of the decisions you need to think about. What does it look like to let Jesus into your boat? From a salvation standpoint, I just want to speak frankly with you this week. This has been on my heart. Like, this has been something, I mean, I even had trouble sleeping last night, and that's a weird thing, right? Like, I sleep really good, but last night I couldn't sleep because God has just laid some things on my heart. And this is one of those things, this idea of letting Jesus into your boat when it comes to salvation. You know what I thought about? You know, too many times we let Jesus into our boat as our friend, but not our king. You let Jesus into your boat because you want to hang out with him, but you don't want to surrender your life to him, right? And you think that your relationship with Jesus is good because he's your friend, but remember, Jesus is not, well, he is your friend, but not, not before he's your king. Does that make sense? 
right? Like he's got to be your king. So I was thinking about my own life. So when I grew up, you know, and you, everybody tells their story, right? Everybody has a story, and mine's probably the same as a lot of people that grew up in very conservative, you know, Indiana. I grew up in a church, right? And I went to church every single Sunday, right? And, and even to the point, I was even in youth group, if you can believe that, right? And you know one of the other things that I did? Like they had these two guys, I'll never forget this, these two, one of these guys were like, you know what one of the ministries we're gonna do in our youth group is we're gonna be a clown troop. I'm like, I'm all in on clowns. <laughs> like, I love that I can dress up and hide behind this and act like a complete fool, right? Like this is perfect. Like this fits me perfectly. So I went on, think about this. I went on as a clown troop into nursing homes, into children's ministries, into places, hoping that people would accept Jesus, and I hadn't. I didn't hate him, right? Like, I didn't hate Jesus. I didn't disown Jesus. Jesus was just my buddy until I didn't want him to be my friend anymore. You know, it's kind of like the idea, I don't know if this is, relates with some of you, but you know, you have groups of friends, Right? And you have your group of friends that you can tie it on with. You know what that means. <laughs> you know, even when it's time to go out and tie one on, you know who to invite. Right? And then you have your group of friends that are never getting invited to that. Right? Like, that's the idea, right? The same thing as happens with Jesus. When it's cool to be with Jesus, we're in right when it's good when jesus can be our friend you invite him into all of the circles that it makes sense for jesus to be your friend but then in the times when you want to do your own thing right it's not that you hate him you're just not going to invite him anybody tracking and somehow we think that is salvation that is not salvation too many times in our culture, you've been fed the lie that Jesus can be your friend some of the times and you're okay. Inviting Jesus into your boat means that he will be the king of your life, period. That's what it means. Inviting Jesus into your life doesn't mean, I mean, we all make mistakes, we all fall short of the glory of God, we all, because this is how it was for me. I did the clown troop, and I did, you know, back to being friends with Jesus when I get what I want, so I could be the clown troop. Then they had this weightlifting group, and you could do this weightlifting group in high school, and it was all about Jesus, and it was really cool, and you do these powerlifting events for Jesus, and then it was to get a wife. Any guys out there? Like you love Jesus so you could get her? You can go ahead and admit it, guys. It's like a lot of you did it. Like you played like I love Jesus, you know, but you just did it because you knew, right? For some of us in this room, you just knew to win her heart, like you couldn't be a complete heathen, right? Like you had to be somewhere in the middle. So you went to church, right? So you went to church, you did the things, you showed up because again, at the end of the day, you did it as an exchange program. Jesus is my friend because I can get, and Jesus is my friend and I can get, and Jesus is my friend and I get. But when that doesn't work out for you, Jesus ain't a friend anymore. Right? And you only come back. So I want you to understand this. Some of you today need to stop having Jesus as your friend and accept him as your Savior. Period.
I don't know what that is, and I don't know who that is in the room, but I have just been feeling this all week. It's been heavy on my heart. I think some of us have went down that road, and I was finally glad in my life when I finally woke up someday, and it wasn't about my wife, and it wasn't about hiding behind clown outfits, and it wasn't about getting what I want. It was about a decision, a personal decision that I made for Jesus Christ to pay for my sins so that I could be in relationship with him and spend eternity with him. That was a personal decision that I made. So that's one way, right? Like he's gotta, you gotta let him in your boat. The other way that we gotta let him in your boat is not only through your salvation, you need to be a vessel. God made you, God gave you everything that you have. You know why you have it? To be a vessel, right? Everything that you've been given is because, again, back to, Could Jesus boom from the heavens? The message. Could God boom from, could God send angels down proclaiming his message? But how does he choose to proclaim his message? You. You're the vessel. You're the one. And not only are you the one, what God has given you He's given to you so that you can use those things to be a vessel. Let's give you an example. So uh, when Sherry got sick, uh, we were in Parkview North, and then we ended up at, uh, uh, down at Methodist at, at IU. And it was during COVID, you know, and so nobody could come up. Just a, it was awful, right? And so you find out that you're dying inside of a hospital away from your family, and they can't come and see you. They're like blocks away. You know, they wave at the windows. Like that's all they can do for their mothers is like wave at the windows. It's just awful, right? And at this time, if you can imagine these things, how difficult it is to process all that's going on, right? Well, we get a, a, a text message, and in this text message, it's guys, right, that are out at my farm in Huntington, Right? And these guys are all like waving, hey, we're out here today. Just want to let Sherry and you know that we, we love you and we're, we're hauling your manure. <laughs> and you can laugh, but you know the first thing that went through my mind? People that made decisions. Like you thought, Johan, you had that lagoon for only your manure, but you made room for mine. You thought you were given that truck just so you can haul the stuff that you have, but guess what? You took a day and hauled mine. You thought you got a CDL so that you could be hired anywhere in the world. No, you got a CDL because one day you made an imprint on my life that I will never forget. You see how that works? Like a vessel right? Like God's given you things so that when God calls, you have the ability to put an imprint. You have the ability to make a difference. You have the ability to transform somebody's life because of the things that God gave you, right? That's the idea. Like get in the boat, right? Be the vessel, do the things. And and here's the other part. Nobody that sent that video did it like Boy, I hope he's thankful for this. You know why they did it? Because God called them. God 
rose something in their heart. They didn't need a thank you. They didn't need an appreciation. They didn't need somebody to say, wow, you just left a legacy in my life. You see, people don't make decisions to, to do those things, but it changes. Listen to me. The person that's on the other end, it changed me forever. You never know what small decision that you can make that will transform the life of a person. Like you never know. In fact, it's hunting season. Nobody's excited about hunting season. Like it's gun hunting season, right? So that's usually when all the deer camps happen. Everybody's getting together. Everybody's hanging out, right? Everybody's like that, that wasn't hunting before. All of a sudden is going out hunting now. You know, deer season happens. So one of the things that happens on opening morning, other than a war, of shotgun season, right? The other thing that happens is, is that like people that are in groups of friends, like everybody's sending texts, I saw, I shot, this is what happened, like you're sharing stories, right? Or people are coming back to deer camp and they're all be like, wow, this is so cool and this happened. So anyway, that didn't happen for me yesterday. Um, but went out, and, but I got texts and got stories, got videos. And then I'm going through Facebook later on because uh, I had to work later on in the afternoon. Wasn't going to be able to go out at night. So anyway, I'm going through and I'm looking at stuff and I just think it was fat. This is the thing that, again, I don't know why, but just for this day, this is what stuck with me. You know what stuck with me? Not the size of the animals that people killed, which was really cool, right? Like part of it is, wow, I mean, that is a big buck. That is awesome. That's so cool. You know what stuck with me is the stories of people who made it possible or did it together, right? Like I see these, like, um, you know, one of the things that I saw was uh, this, this boy, he put out like, hey, I shot this deer, but thank you, Scott Eve. Right, like it wasn't about the just shooting it, it was Scott providing an opportunity, Scott doing something that gave a chance for that boy, young man, to be able to go out and be able to do it. Now, again, did Scott do it to leave a legacy? No, but for me, I'm sitting back there thinking, yeah, it shouldn't be about just me. Right? Like anybody else? No, because all the hunters are out hunting right now. Nobody's <laughs> relating, right? Everybody else is out in their stand. But for you're a hunter, right? Like if the, your land and don't let anybody get on and you don't want too many people there and all these, like all these things that happen. But it made me think, same thing. Uh, Homer sent me a video. He's out hunting and uh, Jackson Pees, right? Set up, so think about this. So Jackson, young boy, you know, uh, set up in the blind with Homer to be able to, to, be able to hunt, right? And so out comes this, this buck that, that Homer's been watching, and Jackson makes a decision like, no, that, that's for you, right? Now again, right? Did Jackson make that decision because he wanted accolades or make that decision? No, but his decision to help somebody else when he could have been out doing something else, right? Left an imprint on me. Why are we doing it? and Why it's important? So do you see what I'm saying? Like, we have to be, you have to let them in your boat and you have to also be the vessel. No one there, they were just using what they had and doing what they thought that they should do and not thinking that at any moment they were gonna leave an imprint, but it left an imprint on me. Does that make sense? All right, so we gotta be able uh, to be able to be or let him in uh, the boat. Here's the next thing. So verse four, it says, when he had finished speaking, 
uh, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for the catch. Simon, an uh, Simon answered, Master, <laughs> we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When uh, they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their parents in the uh, other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that it began to sink. If you want to leave a legacy, if you want to make a difference, if you want to be able to go down the road and you want to leave an imprint on the lives of people, you have to learn this. We have to be obedient. Do you see what he said in there? So, you know, let down your nets. <laughs> We've let down our nets all night there, bub. Right? Like I put the work in. I let them. But you know how he ended it? You know what he said? But I'm going to let him down. Why? Does anybody have it in front of them? You know why I let it down? Because he said so. Not because it made sense. Not because you worked all night and it didn't work. Not because you, in your mind you logically had some way that you were going to come up with, like if I do it this way, then it's going to happen, right? Not, not that. He just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it because you said so, right? I'm going to do it because God said so. We have got to get to a point as Christians, if you want to leave a legacy, you're going to have to figure out how to be obedient. Now, don't miss this because I think this is where we get in trouble. I've tried to be obedient and I keep breaking all the rules. Me too. Right? Like you're trying and you're working and it's not always working and you're, you're, you're trying to be obedient to all of the things that he tells us to do. So I'm just going to tell you, you just need to be obedient to one. Okay? You can figure out the rest of them. I only want you to try being obedient to one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Just pick that one. Wake up every single day trying to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Because you know what he said, right? So when, when the people ask him, like, out of all of the rules and out of all of the things you've put into Scripture, what's the most important? Remember when he said that? Like, somebody boil it down to us because, you know, anybody like me, can you just simplify the problem? He's like, I'll simplify it for you. You know what the most important thing is? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And the next thing is, and this is why, if you do this, everything will come together and you will leave a legacy that will be unfathomable, right? If you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, you will then understand how to love other people. Like young people, got any young people, if you're a young person out there today, I'm going to give you some dating advice. Are you ready? I've only ever dated two people in my life, but I think I have some advice, right? Are you ready? Young ladies, listen to me. The man that you pick for your life, right? The person that you're going to spend your time with better love Jesus more than he loves everything else in the world. Because I know, like, ladies, I know all of you guys are like, but I can work on him, and I can change him, and I can make him better, and, you know, I'll just give you a forewarning. You will never be loved the way you deserve unless your husband-to-be, because that's why you should be dating, 
Your husband-to-be loves Jesus with all of his heart, mind, and soul. Then he can love you well. If he does not love Jesus, if you have to force him into everything, if, if you're dating somebody that makes no effort in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it, well, if you marry that person someday, I'll probably see you in counseling. Because most of the issues that you have is because it started with this. He can't love you right. He can't love you the way that he deserves. He can love you, but he can't love you well. Like, it's the same thing. Got some marriages, like we, we live in a culture today where, where uh, we have marriages that aren't working, and, and a lot of times we have some marriages on the rocks, right? Like some things that are, that are, that are rocky, right? And so a lot of times as men and as women, you know, we want to be like, I need to fix it. Anybody? We need to get this fixed, right? And here's the first thing, wives, that go through your mind, all the things that need fixed about your husband. No wives, you don't have a list? I would say most wives are pretty good at it. Like your list is if you do this better and if you do this better and if you do this better and if you do this better, man, that would fix everything, right? Or, you know, husbands, usually our list is like small. Like we haven't thought about it that much, but if these couple things, list is longer. Either way, we have these ideas, but you know most of the time we miss the mark. Because you know what needs fixed more than anything or before anything? Their relationship with Christ. They can take out the trash. They can work harder. They can mow the lawn more. They can even take you out on dates. Like, right? You can have a special date night. You can even start trying to do things. But if they don't fix this, this will never be right. Right? That's why he's saying, if you want to figure this out, you need to be obedient. If you want to leave a legacy, young people, if you want to leave a legacy, you know, older people, like he's saying, the first thing you've got to realize is you've got to be obedient to the one command that matters. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Then you will naturally be able to, naturally be able to love people in a way that will leave a legacy, that will leave an imprint, right? Vitally important. Here's the next one. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James, John, and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish uh, for people. Verse 11. So they pulled up their boats onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. If you want to leave a legacy, here's one of the things you're going to have to do. Fourth thing, surrender daily. Do you see what happened? Right? So they came in there, they listened the right way, and as they were listening the right way, when, when, when they were processing the things that God had to say to them, when they were obedient in the things that they did, when they walked down that road, then there came to a decision right, where they had to act upon all of the things that they had just seen and heard. Right? It's the way that they act. They surrendered. This, this is what I was doing. This is what God has called me to do. So I'm going to surrender this and I'm going to move forward. Now, when I say daily, here's what I want you to think about. If you looked at the life of the disciples, you know what's funny about the disciples? Every time that things got hard, you know, they surrendered. But when everything gets hard, you know what they did? They went back and picked back up what they had surrendered. 
When things got hard, what did they go back to? Fishing. Right? When, when things weren't working out the way that it was supposed to be, you go back to fishing. You go back to the things that are comfortable. This is the story of your life and the story of my life. I'm going to give it up. And so when I say surrender, you know, and the reason I say it, surrender daily, you're like, man, I listened to this message or I heard this podcast or I read this book and God's just calling me to lay this down. And so I'm going to lay it down. And then you're out there and you're going down the road and things are going good. And then all of a sudden you hit a road bump little roadblock or little speed bump and you're like oh i need to go back and pick this back up because you are naturally designed to be comfortable that's what you're designed for right you're designed like you personally in your life are always working towards this idea of being comfortable not working on the idea that you're called in the way that god has called you and the things that you need to be able to do but you need to figure out how to be able to surrender it uh, daily, and you need to be able to figure out what you can do to be able to go back. Even like Peter, so think about him for a second. So not only went back to fishing, then it was like, okay, Jesus came back. Holy Spirit's living inside of him. But you know what happened? So then they're out preaching the gospel, and then as they're out preaching the gospel, you know, it was supposed to be for Jew and Gentile, and then all of a sudden, you know, Peter was like, well, you know, we still want you to kind of be Jewish-type Christians. Went back to what was comfortable, what he grew up with, right? So the same thing is for us. So I want to talk to you about my own life. So I'm going to talk to you about my own story here for a second. So when it came to my own life, when it came to surrender, right? And then I'm going to just admit all of my, my flaws here for a second. So when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I had a calling. Like my calling was to go into full-time ministry. You guys have heard this story before. So I surrendered my life to Jesus and half of me to calling and the other half of me for insurance. Nobody else started this way, right? Like it was like, I gave my life to Jesus. He wants me to be in ministry. And I had all these reasons why I didn't want to be in ministry. And so I'll give you part-time youth pastor so I can be in ministry, but I can still have a job, an insurance policy, just in case this deal doesn't work, Right? So I had this partial surrender, right? This idea, you know, that I surrendered my life. I didn't surrender my calling. Is that? Like, I understood somebody needed to die for my sins. I understood that. What I didn't understand is what it meant to surrender my life to his will. Like, I didn't get that. All right, so I gave up. I'm going down these roads. And you ever have, anybody ever have, like, godly discontentedness? Like, tells you to do and then you just keep putting it off a couple people and it just keeps coming back up like i know i know so this just kept coming back up right so i thought you know what the next best thing is okay so i'll go more i'm in now i'm going to do more than part-time youth ministry i'm going to be a missionary like i'll go and i'll take people on mission trips Would that make you happy So not only am I going to lead youth ministry, I'm going to start taking these kids to Guatemala, right? And we're going to go into orphanages, and we're going to teach these kids about real life because America, you're all spoiled brats. Like, you need to go see what the rest of the world looks like. And so we would take these kids to Guatemala, and I got on the, uh, the board of the House of Hope, and we were, you know, in orphanages and churches all over the world, and I was, like, super excited. Like, I've surrendered a little bit more, right? 
But in the midst of all of these things, you know how many time I want, times that I even, even though I wasn't fully surrendered, how many times I wanted to go back? How many times I wanted to be like, <laughs> I want to go back to being comfortable. I want to go back to where I can have control of my own life. I want to go back to where the decisions that I make will bring me to the place where uh, I can have some, somewhat of control in my life. So then it goes on, and I get to the place where God says, I want you to plant a church, right? Because it is full-time ministry. That was the struggle. But in that, very clearly, I heard God say, I want you to plant a church now. If you've been to Discover Life, you've heard this story. I'm like, why would you ever plant a church with a bunch of whiny, backstabbing people? Because that's the church in my mind. Nobody else has ever experienced any of that. I'm glad you guys have been in good churches, right? Like, I grew up where it was like people were arguing over the cabinets that went into the pastor's house because back then they had, what's it called? Like the parsonage, yeah. Like they had a parsonage and the, the whole church was in an uproar because he got oak cabinets and I only have poplar cabinets and this isn't gonna work and we're gonna argue and we're gonna split and we're gonna divide and we're gonna, I'm like, who wants to do that? Like, who wants to lead people that fight over things that don't matter? So I'm like, I'm going to be a missionary. I actually see God working. I see people getting saved. I see, you know, people being healed. I see, you know, the, 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 like the gospel being preached into all over, you know, in all places. But God said to me, and I will never forget this, I want you to plant a church, not just to plant a church. I want you to plant a church that will be a vehicle to change the world. Not just a church. Not just done in a way that every other church does it, but done in a way that the people that will be here will see that this church is a vehicle to transform the world, not just to gather together, right? And so when we started Life Church, right? When we pushed off on this you know how you get like super excited because i'm an entrepreneur anyway and you, i'm a risk taker and so then when you finally give in and you finally surrender you're like it's all in and it's all going to be good and god's going to bless and i finally surrendered and everything's going to go in the right direction and then you have the first sunday and then the second Sunday, and then the third Sunday, and the attendance is just declining, and the people are not happy, and the money's not coming in, and things are going, and you get to this crossroad. Listen to me. This has happened throughout all of the history of the last 18 years of Life Church. We get to these crossroads where I have a choice. Keep trying to plant a church and lead a church that will change the world or get comfortable. Those were our decisions. Do I give in? Because we can't get into all of them, but there's a lot of them. Do we give in? Do we become a part of another denomination who's just going to come in and rescue you? Do we, do we bring in a pastor from another church that can bring in 100 people and $100,000? Like, these were the guarantees at the time. Like, crossroads, times. Do we do things differently? Because if we do things differently, then all of a sudden, you can get comfortable again. And throughout all of that, the challenge in my life is, is that I'm surrendering and I'm surrendering, but I have to do this daily because all in these times when you're going to do something that's going to make a difference 
in not only in your life, but in the lives of other people, you're going to have an enemy that's going to try to push you back. So you're going to have to daily surrender to be able to have God use you in amazing ways. So the worship team is going to come back up. So we got a great opportunity today to be able to take communion. So a couple things that I want you to be able to think about. So in the midst of, of today, one of the things that we challenge you with, right? Are you listening in a way for transformation? So here, here's what I want to challenge you with today. As we take a time, we, you know, we always take a time before we take communion for a time of meditation. Sometimes for you to think, right? To, for you to be able to hear. So in your time of meditation, in your time of thinking, this is what God tells us to do. He says, you know, I want you to process for a moment what God is saying to you when it comes to communion and what God is saying to you in the essence of what's going on or what you heard today in the church. So I want you to, I want you to do that. And here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's the thing I want you to process in your mind today. Here's what I'm hoping for. I hope you heard not just words today, but something that you need to do differently tomorrow. What is it that what you heard today, right? The way that you, you looked at what this scripture says, what is it that in your life needs to be different? What do you need to surrender? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to be more obedient to? What, do you, what is it that in your life that you need to transform and you need to change? And so before you come to the communion table, just ask for you to be able to process that, for you to be able to, to, to think through that and be able to just write it down, whatever that is. And I want you to do this. Share it with somebody else. Okay? Don't just keep it to yourself. What is it that needs to change and share it to somebody else? And you know why you want to share it with somebody else? Anybody? Because, yes, absolutely. Accountability. You see, I'll just speak for myself. I have a lot of things that go through my brain a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, all of the time. And, and there are times in my life I need to be able to say, you know what, this is what God's saying, so that somebody can not only hold me accountable, but remind me. Anybody need reminded? every once in a while, like this is what God's saying, this is what God's speaking, these are the things that we need to do to be able to make difference. So, so think of whatever that is, put it deep in your mind and be able to go and share it with somebody because here's what I'm guessing. If you let him into your boat, right, which maybe is some of your decision today, some of you today, I just want you to know this, um, if you want prayed for, if you want somebody to be able to, to pray for you, pray with you, you know, we'll have people up at the stations, at the communion station to be able to pray for you and pray with you. If you've been somebody that's been a friend of Jesus and you need Jesus to be your savior, do not wait. Take this opportunity. Have somebody pray with you, pray alongside of you. If you're somebody, right, that, that you need to let down your nets, that might be you today. Like he got in your boat and he's been telling you to throw the net over there and you've been like, mm -mm, I'm not doing it. If you need to throw the net over, if that's, somebody, if that's you today, challenge you, like during this time, think about where, where are you going to throw the net over? What are the things that you're going to do? Or if you're at a place today, right, where you've been, just, you've been picking stuff back up, God's been asking you to surrender and you just keep picking it back up. What do you need to surrender today so God can use you? an amazing way. So I'm going to pray, um, and then after we pray, there'll be a time of meditation, uh, and then we'll take communion together as a church. Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you uh, that we have the opportunity to be able to gather together today, to be able to uh, just listen to those decisions that we need to make, to be able to leave an imprint in the lives of other people. Lord, I pray today that if we need to listen better, surrender more, uh, be more obedient, Lord, to whatever those things are, Lord, convict our heart. Lord, may we be a people that acts on uh, the things that you ask us to do. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.